0: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss. In business, you rarely hear the expression "for life." You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and and there's a there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken One Hundred and Eighty Weight Loss.
2: I'm E.G. Marshall. You know what they say. The hand is quicker than the eye. The brain is faster than the mind. They say you can't cheat an honest man. They say there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yes, that's what they say. And you listen to all these people. And it seems that everyone's trying to sell you something. Can it be that the entire world is just one big confidence game? They say there's a sucker born every minute. Who was born during your minute?
3: Look, you're wasting your time, Mr. Pangborn. Am I, Mr. Troutwine. Whatever it is you're selling, I'm not buying. Are you sure?
4: And so I bid you a good day. I'm here to offer you the Midas touch. The Midas The ability to turn whatever you touch into gold. Prove it. This desk of mine, touch it. Is that all you want? Touch it. Turn it to gold. All right. Stand by, Mr. Troutline. I'll do better than that.
2: Our mystery drama, The Midas Touch, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Bobby Morse. It is sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser, and Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule. I'll be back shortly with Act One. The pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The money tree... Where the lovely green blossoms are crisp bills. Ah, yes. Dreams. Beautiful dreams. And where there are dreams, you will also find those who will help you make them come true. For a fee, of course. And some of these good folk can be found in sumptuous offices. Their time is spent in muttering mysterious incantations to some evanescent deity called... The stock market. Others, however, must make a fast buck as best they can. The time is October 1929. Come in, mister. I, I... Pangborn, sir. James Ulysses Pangborn, and I have the honor to present
4: Una Nanakichi Chobe. Or Princess Golden Dawn of the Cherokee Nation.
3: Oh, I'm charmed, Princess. Ah, uh, won't you folks be seated? Well,
4: thank you, Mr. Troutwine.
3: And uh, now, uh, how can the farmers, merchants, and stockmen's First
4: National Bank be of service? Ah, uh, the farmers, merchants, and stockmen's First National Bank a name to conjure with, sir? We have farmers and merchants' banks. We have merchants and stockmen's banks, and we have first national banks. But uh, farmers and merchants and stockmen's first national bank under one roof. This is truly astounding. (laughs) We try to be innovative here in Madison Corner. I must tell this to the princess. Anama, heyo, anama, oh yo yo yo, hey yo. She says unbelievable. (laughs) Now what can I do for you, good people? Uh, It's remarkable. What is? Your instant, unthinking, automatic response to the situation, Mr. Uh, Troutline. Folks walk into your office and immediately your generosity asserts itself. You seek to to give, never to take. I must tell this to the the princess. Noyo oma na (laughs) ko ko? Heyo. She says, a saint, truly a saint. Now, sir, why are we in your office at this point in history? To make a loan. (laughs) That's that's the banker. The banker speaking. (laughs) Sir, the princess and I, we have not come seeking the banker. Perish the thought. We have come here to speak with Julius J. Troutwine, the man, the human being. In what connection, may I ask? A most happy connection, may I answer. We were driving past your bank, a most imposing edifice, I may add. We saw in the window a most imposing gentleman, yourself. And what was it that attracted our attention? Please ask. What? Your head. Your magnificent head.
3: Now, sir, Your what you...
4: shining, bald dome. Your completely naked pate. What is the meaning of this? And the princess looked into your eyes, and immediately, because she is a priestess, as well as a princess, she said to me... What, what did you say to me, princess? Hail! Which means, uh, how sad and how tragic is the look on that man's face. Sir... I must ask you and the lady to leave this office. And the princess said to me, we must help this man. I shall call the guard and have you removed. Yes, do that. And what shall you prove? That once again, ignorance has prevailed. Fear has been victorious. And Colonel Daggerblade will still have you on the hip. Uh, What do you know about Colonel Daggerblade? A fair question. Sir, I am a stranger in your gem of a town, but I see that there are two banks. Yours the Farmers, Merchants, and stockmen's First National, and the City, County, and State, Federal, Colonel Menelaus Daggerblade, President. Am I correct? What are you... Driving at? Yes. Yeah. Colonel Daggerblade has a head of long, luxurious uh, white hair, sweeping back from the widow's peak and cascading, if I may use that term, almost to his shoulders. Now, do I describe the man? I don't see what this is all about. Well, why do you lie to yourself? Colonel Daggerblade is the pebble in your shoe, the bone in your throat. I'll have you know the Colonel is my friend. And Cain was Abel's brother. And that white hair will one day close your bank and drive you out of business. That's right. That white hair gives him the look of everyone's kindly old grandfather, or what everyone wanted his kindly old grandfather to look like. Is that not true, Princess? Hey, you. Yes. You see, your shiny, bald, and gleaming skull... Fair enough. A bald, fat man does not inspire confidence. Dagger Blade weighs 20 pounds more than I do. Yes, but he has long, luxurious white hair, the hair of a a prophet out of the Old Testament. And I'm bald. I've been bald half my life. Did you ever hear of a bald-headed Indian? What would I know about Indians? You ever seen a picture of a bald-headed Indian? I mean, you take Sitting Bull and Geronimo and all that crowd, well... Well, I can't say that I have. Well, now we're getting someplace. Where? Well... Why? I mean, how do they manage to keep their hair? Why? Right. I don't know. Hair's very important to an Indian. That's why they would scalp their enemies. Do you understand? No. It's a fact that whatever you got in quantity automatically gets to uh, multiply itself. I mean, that's a law of mathematics. It's known as the self-perpetuation of the quantitative quantum theory. Now, look how it works in your bank. On the window, it says you pay 2% interest, doesn't it? And there isn't a bank in the county that pays more. Therefore, if I was to leave $100 in your bank at the end of the year, I'd have uh, $102, wouldn't I? Correct. Now, what happened? Money went to money. That's all, and hair goes to hair. And it's this truth that has been captured by the Princess Golden Dawn here, who's also the high priestess. Yes, sir, it is captured and liquefied and placed into this bottle. Uh, Show him the bottle, Princess. Aja, matona. And for $50, $50, it is yours. One morning, Julius Trout line, One glorious, triumphant morning. You shall have a shock of glorious golden hair. Would you rather have raven black or flaming red? Now, see here, you... White, say the charm for white princess. Hey, White. It shall be. And now, if you please, $50. Now, hold on. Uh, what guarantee? What guarantee? Uh, what guarantee? None. I mean, do you hear? None. Princess, pick up the bottle. Namatojani.
5: Hey, yo.
4: In parting, may I say, on a crisp spring morning in the year 1800, a man named Robert Fulton walked into a bank at the foot of Wall Street in New York City, and he said. I need money to build a ship called the Claremont. that will be propelled by steam. And the banker, who was probably uh, a bald-headed, said to him, What guarantee? (laughs) Come, princess. Hey, yo. Say goodbye to this bald-headed man of limited faith and tiny vision.
5: Hey, yo.
4: Yes. Good day to you,
3: sir. Hold on. Not so fast. If this stuff is as good as you say it is... Why don't we get together and uh, put it on the market?
4: Put it on the market? We can make a fortune. Uh, impossible. Why? Well, this is the elixir. The famous but secret uh, elixir of the high priestess of the Cherokee Nation. Can you imagine how that would look in the air? Yes, but the secret magical formula was not revealed to her in order to make her rich. No? No, 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 no. She has been commanded to bestow the gift only upon those who are uh, are worthy, only upon those whose hearts are pure. It uh, it's so written on the label. Oh. Yeah. So the money she receives, it's it's is only calculated to uh, pay her expenses. Well, I
3: tried everything else so far. Uh, let me go over to the teller and borrow fifty dollars. Excuse me.
5: Hmm. Oh Jimmy, how do you always manage to do it? Shh, shh, shh. Oh, he can't hear. Oh Jimmy, you're wonderful. Oh,
6: I know. Like,
5: can it really grow hair in a bald man's head? Sure. Oh Jimmy, you're marvelous. Shh, shh, shh.
6: The chump
4: returns.
3: Well, Mister Pangborn, here you are, fifty dollars in brand new bills. Count it.
4: Your word, sir. Your word sir, is sufficient for me, just as my word is sufficient for you. And now, sir, since I perceive you to be a very busy man, the princess and I will take our leave. Uh, say goodbye to Mr. Troutwine, princess.
3: Hey, yo. And, uh, hey, yo, to you,
5: too. Hey.
4: The work, Smellie, the work.
5: Oh, but this is a very expensive restaurant.
4: I tell you what I'm going to have and see if you're in the mood for the same thing. I think we'll start with a uh, shrimp cocktail, then the onion soup, the salad with the uh, French dressing, the sirloin steak with baked potato, corn macabre, mixed green vegetables, the apple pie a la mode and coffee. Uh, but, Jimmy, <laughs> that costs a dollar and a half. Hang the Benson, Millie, you only been once.
6: Excuse me, sir and madam. Are you Mr. James Ulysses Pangborn? Yes, I have that honor, sir. Who am I addressing? Albemarle Fredericks, Esquire. Ah, yes. Well, what, what can I do for you? Uh, you and this young lady, who I believe is the Princess Golden Dawn, can come along with me. I, I beg your pardon. I happen to be the sheriff. Oh, oh the sheriff? Yes. Well,
4: I'm uh, I'm glad to make your acquaintance, sir. We were uh, about
6: to have uh, dinner. Would Would you join us? If we leave now, we can be just in time for supper at the county jail. I admit the food ain't quite as good, but you save three dollars. Especially since them three dollars probably belongs to Julius Trout wine. Ah, yeah. enlightenment. Julius Troutwine. You see, it's to Julius' interest to help clamp down on flim clam artists. And so he paid you in marked $10 bills, which I assume you still have on your person. Well, what do you know about? it? And they shall be used as evidence against you in court. That's... that is... That's fantastic thinking. Oh, you gotta get up early in the morning to get the better of Julius J. Troutwater. A man of great shrewdness. Fellas like you blow into a town like this and you say, Hicks, Acey's suckers, ripe right to be taken. You ain't the first con artist to see the inside of our jail. Ah, nor shall I be the last. So if you'll just step this way. Well, what can I say, Sheriff? You've got me
4: dead to rights. <laughs>
2: Indeed, what can he say? Have we here the case of the slicker slicked? Even upon such short acquaintance, we feel that James Ulysses Pangborn must have something up his sleeve. Certainly he will not meekly walk off to jail. Wasn't there a glint in his eye, a tone in his voice as he spoke to the sheriff? Well... He better have something by the time we return for Act Two in just a few moments. There is man and there is money, and there are any number of schemes aimed towards separating a man from his money. Some are legal and some are not. And sometimes the line between legal and illegal is rather wavery and hazy and indistinct, to say the least. In many cases, in the final analysis, it all depends on who you are and what your game is. Style and grace
6: also enter into it. Well, folks, let us be off. Uh, Hold it, Sheriff. Uh, Fredericks, is it? Albemarle Fredericks, Esquire, at your service. Uh, according to the rules of uh, non habeas corpus delicti,
4: accused has the right to know the charges that are being brought against him.
6: Yes, sir, Mr. Pangborn, yes. you know your law. <laughs> Anyone can see that. The charge, sir, is selling a uh, fake patent medicine. I see, yes. Are you a friend of Mr. Troutwine, the man who's. Uh pressing the charges? Mr. Pangborn, in this town, the sheriff is everybody's mm, friend. Yes. I'd like to help Mr. Troutwine out. That effect.
4: Yes. Princess Golden uh, Dawn here is too tender-hearted to see Mr. Troutwine punished by the great spirits for doubting the efficacy of a high priestess.
6: Uh, isn't that true, Princess?
5: Hey, yo.
6: <laughs> she uh, ain't got much of a vocabulary, has she, Mr. Pangborn? She's a lady of few words but each one is well chosen. Now, we should like to stop off at Mr. Troutwine's and and give
4: him an opportunity to drop the charges.
6: Well, that ain't likely.
4: <laughs> Are you a betting man, Sheriff? I've got $50 that says Mr. Troutwine will drop all the charges 10 minutes after we talk to him.
6: Well, it's a free country, Mr. Bangborn. You want to lose $50, it's your constitutional right. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, Princess?
5: Genio.
6: Sorry to disturb you, Julius. I'm sure you're just setting down to supper.
3: Why are you doing it, then?
6: Why aren't these two in jail? Because Mr. Pangborn here seems to believe you'll want to drop the charges.
3: Drop the charges, Sheriff. I fear for that young man's sanity.
6: Uh, Surely we shouldn't discuss it on the
4: porch. Uh, Won't you invite us in? Uh,
3: Now, see, here. Uh,
4: Thank you for your hospitality. My, oh, my, what elegant taste. This is obviously the home of a man of great refinement.
3: Now, look here. You won't flim-flam me. You and that phony Indian princess of
4: yours. Oh, my. Do you know what he just said, Princess? Uh, Pana Atopa. Hey, yo! Oh, hold the lightning, Princess. The man speaks only out of ignorance. Well, sir, if I were a vindictive individual, I'd let that arrest stand. Would you? Yes, sir. And then I'd see you destroyed in court.
3: Don't you dare to threaten me, you faker. You ain't gonna destroy nobody. Of course
4: not. you succeed in destroying yourself. Now then, allow me, if you will, to set the scene.
3: Sheriff, do I have to? My dinner's waiting. Mm. What's that? Ah, yes, yes,
4: pot roast. (laughs) Mm. Red cabbage. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Troutline. We will join you. Oh, no, you won't. I'm particular who I break bread with. So am I, Mr. Troutline. So am I. Oh, uh, Mr. Troutline, let me ask you something. Are are you a betting man? Certainly not. I will bet you $100 that before the evening is over, you will invite me and the lovely princess here to join you for supper. Is it a bet?
3: It certainly is. You're a witness, Sheriff. He made the bet.
6: I'm a witness.
3: All right, then. Pay me. You lose. I have no intention of inviting you to supper. Ah, oh,
6: but the evening isn't
3: over yet. Oh, yes, it is. Sheriff, march these people out of here this minute and lodge them in the jail. And those are my last words on the subject. Colonel
4: Daggerblade, of the long flowing white locks, he will try not to laugh the loudest. What are you trying to say? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just setting the scene. The courtroom will be crowded, and the judge will ask, "Uh, With what is the defendant charged? And the answer will be, selling a phony patent medicine. And the judge will ask, May the court examine the evidence, and he will read the label, which reads, The Ancient Magical Indian Essence of Hair. Yeah,
5: and
3: I'll say it was represented as a remedy to grow hair. True, true, uh, true. And what is your complaint? Well, it's an obvious fake. Why? Because it hasn't grown any hair. It can't grow hair. There's no such thing as a hair grower. Then why did you buy it? To send a confidence
4: man to jail. How do we know you didn't buy it? Because you really did believe it would grow here.
3: I can prove I bought it so I could send one of your ilk to jail. How? Those five ten dollar bills I gave you. Sheriff, make him produce those bills.
6: You got those bills, Mr. Pangborn? These bills, Sheriff?
3: Those are the bills. Those crisp and brand new ten dollar bills. I marked each and every one of them with the letter
4: J. Hmm. I'm afraid there must be some mistake, uh, Sheriff. Do you, do you notice any markings on these bills? Yeah.
3: No, I, I I wrote the letter J right after the serial number here. Well,
6: I'm afraid there ain't nothing written on here, Julius.
3: Arrest him! Arrest him for destroying
4: evidence! Uh, what evidence, Mister Cowboy? Well, he 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 done something to him. He 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 must have done something. Well, now that we have set the scene, we shall uh, carry it to its climax. Uh, do you follow this princess? I'm talking about uh... Lona to Peyota.
5: Hey yo!
4: Yes, everyone in that courtroom can hardly keep from bursting out laughing. I mean, they look at that gleaming bald skull and they'll remember how you'll do anything to grow hair, and they'll be reminded of it constantly by the presence in the court of your dear companion and friendly competitor, Colonel Daggerblade.
3: Hey! Sheriff, upon a uh, second consideration... With I...
4: his long, luxuriant white locks, which he shall keep brushing out of his eyes from time to time.
6: I'll drop the charges. You can't drop those charges. I got a $50 bass.
4: Well, I brought him up. I got a right to drop them. You can't drop the charges. I've been arrested. I've got a right to a trial. You can't make me prosecute if I don't
3: want to. But...
4: I have been damaged. Sir, I was sitting in the finest restaurant in town, with this lovely young lady, the Princess Golden Dawn. The sheriff comes marching in and escorts us out in front of 50 witnesses. I mean, how does that look? I mean, what does that do to our reputation? Oh, well, I... I can sue you for damages, and this entire matter will now have to be opened up and dragged through the courts. I admit, I made a mistake. (laughs) He's got you over a barrel, Julius. But to show you I'm not a vindictive man, I'm willing to forget the whole thing. Oh, that's very generous of you, Mr. Pangborn. The princess and I did miss our supper, though. Mm. That pot roast. Oh, smells mighty good. Yeah, well, uh, why don't you and the princess have supper here with me? Pay me $100. He just lost a bet. Why, you... you... Uh, say thank you to the gentleman, princess.
5: Hey, yo. Yeah. But how long can we stay here in this town, Jimmy? We ain't selling much of a hair store.
4: We don't have to. We made $200 yesterday, 50 from the sheriff, and 150 from Mr. Julius' truck line.
5: Jimmy, he, he did mark those bills, didn't he? Sure. Well, then how did the marks disappear?
4: Millie, honey lay it all to the account of the magic hair restorer and its many uses. Remember, in a town where there isn't much of a bald-headed trade, we sell it as a spot remover.
5: Oh.
4: We've got us a money tree in this town, and we're going to cultivate it.
5: Uh, a money tree?
4: Named Julius J. Troutwine.
5: You couldn't sell him anything
4: anymore. This morning I shall prove the fallacy of that premature statement. <laughs> No, sir. If you do not leave the premises at once. Ah, no, Mr. Troutwine. No? We're not wanted, Princess. Say goodbye to Mr. Troutwine.
5: Hey, yo.
4: Yes. Good day, sir. I give you six more months. No. We won't even start. Leave. And then Colonel Daggerblade shall close you up. You cannot, you will not, you must not goad me. Leave? Ah, a pity. And I've just found a way to checkmate Colonel Daggerblade. I'm not listening, Do you understand? I'm not listening. Yes, finally. The foolproof method. Leave! Yes, let Daggerblade glory in his flowing white locks. You may have a bare head, but you will have uh, the Midas touch. Leave! Very well. Since you refuse the Midas touch, I know I can sell it to Colonel Daggerblade. Then, of course, he shall be invincible. Come, Princess. Uh, good day to you, sir.
3: Good day and good riddance. You shall never see one more cent of my money. Good day.
4: Good day again. Uh, Princess?
5: Uh,
3: Wait. Uh, What, uh... What is the Midas touch?
4: The Midas touch? Obviously a shady scheme to cheat you out of your hard-earned money.
3: Yeah, I know that. But what is it?
4: Uh, you are aware of this ancient king, uh, Midas? Everything he touched turned to gold.
3: Uh, seems to me I did read about him.
4: Yes, the touch, the Midas touch. It uh, can be achieved.
3: Are you standing there and saying that you can sell a man the power to touch something and it'll turn to gold? In a word, Yes if <laughs> that don't beat all. all right, go ahead. Demonstrate. Touch this desk. And if it turns to gold, I'll pay you whatever you ask.
4: Hmm. I don't have that power. Aha. Uh-huh. And how can you sell it? Uh, do you know what is meant by the Midas touch? Well, you just said it. You touch a thing, it turns to gold. Now, don't back off. Uh, Here is this morning's copy of the Madison Corners Tribune. Uh, It is turned to the financial page. Uh, Is that true? Well, any fool can see that. On this page, we see the names of stocks. Uh, True? What are you driving at? What's the basic trouble with this page? Trouble? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't see any trouble. Mm. What trouble are you talking about? Uh, This page represents what these stocks closed at yesterday. Does that information do you any good? Good. It lets me know how the stocks perform. All right, now, now, pay attention, Mr. Troutwine. This paper is dated Tuesday, October 23rd, 1929,
3: is it not? Well, any fool can see that.
4: Yes, yes. But, but suppose it were dated October
3: 24th. Well, how could it be dated October 24th? Just
4: suppose. That'll be tomorrow. Obviously. And suppose it were there on your desk. Hmm? But that paper won't come out till tomorrow. I know, I know, of course. Listen. But suppose, just suppose, you could see the stock market page. But it hasn't even been printed
3: yet. True. Because it hasn't happened yet. Obviously. So how can it be on my desk?
4: If you could see tomorrow's closing prices today, this morning, and you could buy or sell uh, accordingly.
3: You're crazy.
4: That would be, though, the Midas Touch, wouldn't it? Yes. Yes. Well, it's for sale. The Midas Touch, it's for sale. Uh, would you like to have it?
2: Well, catching up. The last time Jim Pangborn sold Julius Troutwine a commodity... It was a remedy designed to grow hair on a bald head. Jim operates on the theory that if you can sell them once, you can sell them twice. But the Midas touch, doesn't that call for some tangible proof? Certainly, and we are now headed for the place where the acid test is always applied. The third act. it springs eternal in the human breast. We know how deeply we know that you can't beat the game. In the end, the wheel must be fixed, the dice loaded, and the pea cannot be under the shell where you know you saw it go. Never, said Edward Francis Albee, give a sucker an even break.
3: All right. Now, state that proposition again. Gladly. I'm saying that the Midas Touch is for sale. And the Midas Touch is here and after defined as?
4: A copy of uh, a financial page. Showing the closing prices on the
3: New York Stock Exchange. Yes,
4: sir. Showing those prices at the close of business of a date in the future. You
3: realize
4: what, what that means? I do, Mr. Troutline. It is now nine o'clock in the morning. If you knew how a stock page would read this time tomorrow morning, you could buy and sell in a manner that would truly be reminiscent of the Midas touch. Such a thing can't be done. I didn't ask you whether or not it could be done. I only inquired if you wished to buy it. If if I cannot make a sale here, believe me, I shall present this proposition to Colonel Daggerblade. Uh, Princess, say goodbye to Mr. Troutwine.
5: Hey, you... Hey, uh,
3: uh, just a second. Yes, sir. Uh, this, uh, uh, Proposition of
4: yours, uh, This, uh... Might touch. Might touch, yes. Yes, Mr. Trotwine? Uh, how can you approve Oh, no, no, please. <laughs> you are too, uh... Shall we say, nervous to become our client. Uh, Princess, we have knocked upon the wrong door. We had expected a, a night errand. We have encountered a clerk... <laughs> Uh, Good day, sir. Well,
3: I'm I'm just asking. I have a legitimate right to ask.
4: You have no legitimate rights. Yours is but to give. Are you asking me to accept this all on faith? We are in danger, princess. Well, I just want to know how it's going to work. I know where there is a printing press. A press that the princess has blessed. Uh, well, I... $1,000 is all it costs, and you acquire the Midas touch. One thousand? Yes. And you know something? You can make millions.
3: Hold phone. Yes, indeed. I have a question that cuts
4: right into the very heart of this entire enterprise. And that question is, if I'm telling the truth, why do not I use the Midas touch and become rich as Croesus myself?
3: Yes, indeed.
4: The answer is I can't do it. Why not? You shall hear this answer from the lips of the princess herself. Our princess... Uh, Ta ma de yo ohoma.
5: He you.
4: Huh? what she say? She said that she is but the instrument of the gods, you know, the spirits, the tutelary deities, as it were. So? She has taken the vow of uh, poverty. Her knowledge and her powers, they must never be used to enrich herself or those who assist her.
3: Well, then, uh... Why do you charge me a thousand dollars?
4: Expenses, sir. Thousand dollars? Seems pretty high to me. Have you priced blue rabbits lately? What has the, the gods require gifts, and they insist on well, as I was saying only last week, one of the gods wanted a uh, blue rabbit. There ain't no such animal. You try telling that to one of the gods. The answer was uh, seek and find. We finally did locate one. Fellow over in Madras, India, just happened to have a blue rabbit. What with telephone calls, shipping charges, and whatnot, the final cost came to eight hundred seventy-five dollars and forty-eight cents. For a blue rabbit. The rabbit himself cost only nineteen cents. A thousand dollars. Payable in advance. In advance. Those, Mister Troutwine, are the usual terms.
3: In advance.
4: Hmm. The mildest touch. Yeah. All right. Now, when... How... how The princess and I must repair to the magical printing press and then the princess shall speak uh, to the gods and they shall, in their inscrutable way, see that this page, you know, rolls off the press.
3: Today's the 23rd.
4: Yes. Do you wish to have tomorrow's page?
3: Mike, it's been acting a little strange. i tell you what I want. Why don't you let me see the financial page for
4: October 30th? October 30th. That'll let me know how she closed on the 29th. You consider it done. Be back here with your information tomorrow. And now I believe you owe the princess uh, $1,000. Does that cover our uh, sacred requirements, princess?
5: Hey, yo. Hey.
4: paper page? What's it supposed to say? I'll leave that to you, Inkwell. It's the financial page, the stock market closing prices. What for? Well, you see, Inkwell, I came here because you have a magic press. That's true, isn't
6: it? Put it down as gospel. Well,
4: your magic press can foresee and therefore print the prices for the 29th day of October in this year of 1929. Isn't that true? True as we're all standing here. Now, what do you want the page to say? What kind of figures? It doesn't
3: matter. I'll just turn it loose then (laughs) and have fun. (laughs) Excuse me,
5: folks. i got to sit tight. Is is the press really going to forecast it?
4: Millie, you stay here. I'll take the page back to Mr. Troutwise. Oh, do you have to? I'm not a crook. I'm going to leave the money with you. No sense having it on me and tempting fate. You just hold on to it. (laughs) Yes, Jimmy. Well, what do you think? Inkwell, it's
3: magnificent.
5: Yeah. I guess it's
3: my masterpiece.
5: Oh, Jimmy, you did it. Look what it says. October 30th, 1929. Yesterday's closing prices. Then the press does exist. The magical press. Oh, Jimmy.
4: You uh, feeling all right, Millie? You have to excuse her, Inkwell. She's a very impressionable young lady.
5: there are the prices, black on white. Who'd have believed it could be done? Millie,
4: wait here till I get back. Well, mister Troutwine, surprised to see me?
3: No, sir. I know you'd return. Being a banker teaches a man how to evaluate character.
4: And here's your financial page. And I have kept my part of the bargain.
3: Yes, you have. You really have. Uh, what's this? What, sir? These prices. The market, according to this, the market has... will, day after tomorrow... The market will collapse. Uh, is that a fact? Well, here, this stock, down 60 points from today. Why, well, it's impossible. This will be the worst panic in the history of the world. Well, um, maybe. They'll all go broke, Dazerblade especially. Mr. Mister... But I'll make a fortune. Mr. Uh, wise, Miss Raven, get my broker. He's to go short. Go short on everything. But you heard me. Mm-hmm.
5: Hi, Millie Downing. Oh, Jim, you're back.
4: Yes, where's Inkwell? I have to pay him for his printing.
5: Oh, it's okay. I already done it.
4: Oh, what did you give him?
5: A thousand dollars. What? I bought the printing press. Oh, Jimmy. You bought? Because it's magic. It printed the page. It must be magic. poor Inkwell. I worked a swindle on him. He didn't know it was a magic press. Millie, no. Did did I do something wrong, Jimmy? I, I thought you'd be proud. There's no such... Thing as a magic uh, press. There, there it?
4: And the thousand dollars you... Oh, never mind.
5: Oh, it, it was a, a hustle. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy, honey. You see, the trouble is when you start talking to a to a sucker and you, you paint that beautiful uh, picture, of, I become a sucker, too. I, I believe it. Yes, forget it. I, I believed it. Oh, Jimmy, you're, you're not... Mad at me? Ah,
4: no. Okay.
5: So much money. A thousand dollars.
4: Now, don't worry. We can sell the press. We'll get something for it. I'll get rid of it. But, Mr. Flint, it's in excellent working order. It's 50 years old. It works by hand.
3: But I'm a chump. You're looking at America's number one sucker. I got a heart that's made of mush. Here's ten dollars. Ten dollars. You know why? I got a brother-in-law. He's got a metal refinery. I'll drop it off there on my way home, and he can melt it down for scrap. Ten dollars. Now, okay. Here's 15. Let's close the deal.
5: Oh, Jimmy. You have to eat. I'm not hungry. It's all my fault. No, no. Oh, you're sweet, Jimmy, but it is. You see... I asked him to run off a copy of the page for me to keep. It, it looked so beautiful. Oh, Jimmy, I, I actually thought it, it was, it was magic. I, I guess I'll always be a chump.
4: Oh, now, Millie, baby, remember what the princess would
5: say. Mm, hey, yo. <laughs> okay, hon. Let's make things lively, huh? Yeah? Turn on the radio. We'll listen to music. Oh, how lovely. Stand. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our music to bring you a special news advisory. Today, the 29th of October, 1929, was a day of unprecedented disaster in the stock market. Ladies and gentlemen, the bottom has literally fallen out of it. What?
4: Millie, that page. Let me look at that page. For
5: instance, Consolidated Notions has dropped 70 points in the last hour. It has now closed at one and a half. Oh, no.
4: Here, on this page, look, it, it consolidated one and
5: a half. Amalgamated chemicals down to three.
4: Amalgamated chemicals, three, right.
5: Keystone is now a dollar a share. It
4: is, it is. Millie, shut that off. Jimmy, what is it? These prices printed on this page three days ago. I mean, they are true. They're true. It is, uh, it was a magic printing press. I mean, it was. That, what was that, that man, Mr. Flint, who bought it yesterday. I have his number right here. Uh, uh. 8067. To think of it. I mean, I almost out hustled myself. Oh, baby, are we going to be rich? I mean, I'll get that press back. You wait and see. Spartacus Flint
3: here.
4: Hi, Mr. Flint. Uh, this is Mr. Pangborn. Oh? <laughs> that press I sold uh, yesterday? Oh, yeah. Yes, I- I'd like to buy it back.
3: No, Sam.
4: Uh, Mr. Flint, uh, I'll pay you for your trouble and. Well, I don't have it. Uh, well, who's got it?
3: Nobody's got it don't exist anymore. Oh What? I told you. Yesterday, I dropped it off at my brother-in-law's foundry. You know what it is now? It's bars, sheets, lumps.
5: Oh, no.
3: You want to buy some scrap steel?
5: Jimmy? Jimmy, what did the man say?
4: He said, uh, hey, yo, yo.
2: Heyo a word that can mean anything or everything and what does it all prove the biggest sucker is usually the smartest operator don't the psychiatrists tell us there is a bond between the cheaters and the cheated and that role reversal often takes place well even if psychiatrists don't tell us that it certainly sounds reasonable I'll be back soon with something else just as reasonable. How do you account for the fact that the printing press was able to print a page from the newspaper of a future date to describe accurately events that hadn't yet occurred? Well... What is the future? Who is to say that the future hasn't already happened and is merely waiting for us to catch up with it? And if it's out there, surely there must be a way to see it. Our cast included Bobby Morse, Bryna Rayburn, Robert Dryden, and Jackson Beck. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Tonight's W.R. Mystery Theater was brought to you in part by ShopRite Supermarket.
0: In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there.